The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, it's been described as uh, the most irrepressible, hilarious and moving read of the year. And I've been reading it and I have to concur. It's called Oh Miriam and it is the latest volume of memoir from Miriam Margulies, who joins me now. Miriam, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on the programme. Now, when I saw the title of your book, uh, Oh Miriam, I, I was just thinking, which Oh Miriam is it? Is it Oh Miriam or is it Oh Miriam? <laughs> well, I've I've coined this phrase, which is it's a mixture of profanity and profundity. How about that? Does that sit yeah. well? Well, it, it does sit well. And when I read the book, I realised that it really derived from the very beginning of uh, your conscious life in school when you got up to all sorts of wrongdoing and the teachers inevitably would say, oh, Miriam. I know. <laughs> That's true. I, I was always naughty and um, I, I've retained a, a kind of childish silliness, I think, right to now when I'm 82. Mm. And some people think it's disgraceful, but, you know, too bad. That's who I am. Now, many people associate your naughtiness with your appearances on uh, Graham Norton. And in the book, uh, you talk about Terry Wogan and you were... Uh, much less explosive, shall we say, when you were uh, chatting to Terry. But you say that um, Terry Wogan was God's first attempt at fashioning a Graham Norton. <laughs> oh, what a witty remark! Um, <laughs> I loved, I loved Terry. Um, you couldn't not. He was, he was adorable. Uh, but I think that Graham, and I think Terry would agree, it, it, Graham is a is a refinement. I can't imagine anybody doing his job better. And I've looked at all of those Americans and then none of them is as good as he is, which is why everybody wants to be on his show. Um, you, of course, have uh, what they call a potty mouth, don't they? And you have used that potty mouth on Graham because it's after the watershed. But occasionally, even before the watershed, you have lapsed. I I am guilty of um, watershed lapses. <laughs> that, that is true. It's because in my natural speech, I am a bit foul-mouthed and I just forget. Uh, and I, I don't mean to offend. I, I, I know I do. Uh, and I'm sorry. I apologise. But I'm trying very hard now <laughs> to, to behave properly on your nice programme. Mm. Um, sometimes, I mean, one of the programmes that you write about, the Today programme, of which you were a real fan on, on BBC Radio, but inadvertently you offended there as well. It was inadvertent, Pat, because I really didn't know that the mics were up. I really didn't. And I, I was horrified because to me, you know, the BBC is a sort of temple. It's where I started my professional life and I love Radio 4. And I just would never have done such a thing. But Justin started a conversation and I just went on with it. But he bundled me out of the studio with alacrity. So it didn't last long. Mm. Yeah, many people seem to spend their time apologising for <laughs> your lapses uh, after you have departed, whether it's uh, on the couch uh, in this morning or, uh, as I mentioned, on the Today programme. Um, the, the book contains a lot of very funny stories, but also there's a lot of serious stuff. You cannot abide the Tories. That is true. Uh, do you want me to go on? <laughs> well, I was hoping you would, rather. <laughs> right. Well, um, 
the, the mixture of uh, corruption and um, lies and incompetence. I, I just, it's ruined England and we are all suffering. Everybody that you talk to is having a horrible time and I blame them. I hate Brexit. I think it's it's destroyed part of my life because I was hoping to go and live in Italy where I have a, a house with my partner of 54 years and we can't unless we become Italian or we become Dutch or something else. It's it's absurd and it's not working. And rich people are getting richer, poor people are getting poorer. There is division in the land and racism and uh, class barriers are being set up more than ever. And when, when Jacob Rees-Mogg was ennobled by the hateful Boris Johnson, and he's the man who said that those 79 people who died in Grenfell were burnt alive, that they lacked common sense, I wanted to emasculate him. Um, you uh, have a number of people that you would not like to spend any time with. Vladimir Putin, maybe that's everybody's favourite villain at the moment, but also Nigel Farage, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, and you are Jewish, uh, and Boris Johnson uh, uh, numbered in that uh, group. They're all there, and I hope they puke. Um, the surprising name in there, That's I suppose. That's not a rude word, is it? That's not a rude word. <laughs> um, the, the surprising name in there might be Benjamin Netanyahu, but you have looked at the, the way Palestinians are treated and it seems that you think it's a shame to Jewishness the way Israelis sometimes treat the Palestinians. Yes, I do. And I have to say that many Israelis agree with me. Um, this is not about whether you're Jewish or not. It's about whether you're human or not. I want people to be treated like human beings. And they are not in Palestine. And I have seen it for myself. I've been there. So nobody can tell me I'm, you know, I'm talking out of my bottom. I'm talking out of what I've seen. And I don't like cruelty. It is wicked what's going on, and Netanyahu is doing it really almost to inflame the population so that he will get support and stay out of jail because he's he's being sued uh, for three crimes of corruption. This is not a man who should be leading a country. Um, when you look back at uh, growing up and your own experience and your family background and so on, uh, you seem to be very different to the way your parents were. I mean, uh, your father was a doctor and, you know, didn't ever want to get involved in any public controversy. You would see it uh, as almost an obligation to protest to things you don't like. But also, um, you like mooning. Um, you have displayed your breasts in all sorts of extraordinary situations, uh, almost at will. <laughs> well, I think... I wouldn't do that now because I'm old and I can't reach them anyway. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I have behaved sometimes a little bit flamboyantly, and my parents were often puzzled by my seeking the limelight. They were very, very good people, and they brought me up with love and kindness. And um, I, I'm a confident person, not all the time, but. I, you know, I I showed my breasts to cheer people up, 
I wanted them to be, not to be sexually excited, but just to be cheered up. And I always did it when people were tired. <laughs> so I don't think you can hold me over the coals mm. for that. Uh, one of the occasions uh, was when you were in the movie The Age of Innocence. And it was a long day and there were so many stars and so many people had to be made up and costumed and so on. And you were late yes. in the day. You were one of the last to be to be done over by the hair and makeup people. And you did it. Yes, I did it because I saw the crew at the end of the day. They were just exhausted. Everybody had been parading around and I thought they need to be cheered up. So I just displayed my titties and um, it made them laugh. <laughs> so it's not a terror. It's not a crime, is it? It cheered them up. Mm. And that's why I did it. You did it in a plane. I, I did it in a plane, much for the same reason. <laughs> but that was actually quite um, exciting because I went all the way from first to economy. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot in the book about uh, about your breasts uh, and you seem to have been very conscious of them for a, from a very early age. You were, you were precocious in that department. Well, I was. And the thing is that, you know, when your breasts are as big as mine, and I don't know if anything uh, that you carry is as uh, is as formidable, but um, you, you you can't help being aware of them, and everybody else is aware of them too. And and my nipples wore through my jumpers at school, so I'm afraid they have been, um, you know, in the foreground <laughs> very considerably throughout my life. But I'm more contained now. Mm. Um, you, you talk about, um, you know, not remembering many of the details of your life because you say you, you've lived it and therefore, you know, it's it's like those people who go to a concert and they hold up their phone to record the concert, the gig, instead of simply being in the moment. Um, but you do remember quite a lot of it. I mean, you and you're very brave in many cases. There's one episode where a woman walks out of the loo in, in a department store and she's got her dress still stuck in her knickers. And while most oh, yes. people would have been appalled, what did you do? Well, I told her. I mean, you couldn't let her walk out into a, into a posh department store. It was at Jenner's in Edinburgh. And, you know, it, it would have been humiliating. So, of course, I said, excuse me, you, you've got your, you, you know, your bottom showing or something. I, I just said, I think your, your dress is stuck into your knickers. And she, she was just overwhelmed with gratitude. I think it was the right thing to... Would, wouldn't you have done it? I hope so. Um, I think I would, yes. I, th I think anybody would. It was a human, one woman reaching out humanly to another. Now, um, you also tell a story about an Irish actor, and you don't name the Irish actor. I don't know whether he's still with us or not, but um, he, he was rather smelly. Yes, I, I'm not going to name him. He's not still with us, but he was nothing to do with his being Irish. He was just a big boy, and he didn't he didn't wash his parts. And um, it was a very small theatre, and people were kind of fainting all over the place or leaving the building. And I just people said, you know, we have to say something, and so I did. I did say it to him, and it upset him terribly. We we never. We never really resumed our friendship, but at least people were not leaving the theatre. Mm. Uh, I don't think men realise, you know, you really have to get in there and scrub and, and, and you know, uh, open things that 
perhaps you don't always open and um, just get clean mm. because it isn't very nice to be smelly. It's something I'm always afraid of because, you know, I, I'm, I'm rather weak in the bladder and I have to be very careful not to be smelly. Uh, well, this guy, this uh, Irish actor, uh, I mean, you decided to tell him, and I'll quote from the book, in the restaurant I sat next to him, hard enough with the smell, and I said very quietly, darling, I've been meaning to say this, but um, look, we fat people, you're fat and I'm fat, we have to be super careful about personal freshness. It's so easy to get smelly because being fat makes us sweat, his expression darkened. I nervously continued, there's no easy way to say this, darling, but what about having a shower before you you come into work? I'm not surprised, really, that he never spoke to you again. Well, I was sad because he was a darling man. He really was. But I think he should have been grateful. Wouldn't you be grateful if somebody said to me, you're a bit on the nose today? Um, uh, you know, just, uh, I mean, I think you'd, you'd be pleased. You'd rather know, wouldn't you? I would, certainly. Mm. There are so many things that you're so honest about. You're an expert nose picker. Um, you come from a farty family. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so how do you excuse uh, those outbreaks when they occur? Well, you can't excuse them. It's just human. I mean, I'm not the only person in the world that breaks wind. Um, I just, I feel more comfortable if I let it out. I don't want to be, you know, cramped and miserable, holding on to something. And I think people have just got to accept it and, and grow up a bit. I don't quite understand why my farts have become the most important thing about me. You know, I'm an interesting, intelligent, caring human being. I think that's much more important. Um, you've got some very uh, interesting views about, you know, being woke. You're proud uh, to be woke but you don't approve of people being cancelled. No, I I don't understand that kind of shutting down of a human being and their their opinions. You can criticise, but suddenly we've all got to think the same thing. No, I don't think so. I I, I like uh, honesty and compassion. I think those are much more important. And woke is a silly word. It doesn't really mean anything except right wing. That's what it means. And I'm left wing and I acknowledge it and I'm not. I'm proud of it. I think people who are rich and don't care about the poor are disgraceful. I'm rich and I do care about the poor. And I think that uh, people who've got billions and billions, why aren't they sharing it and giving it away to people who need it? There's something very harsh about the world today. I don't think Jesus would approve. He was a good egg, Jesus. I don't think he was the son of God, but he was a terrific bloke. Um, the, the whole question of the body, and it does run right throughout uh, this volume of memoir. I, I hope there'll be more to come. But uh, you, you talk about your own body and uh, how when you get older, things uh, change and there's a lot more maintenance uh, to be done. And remarking at young people, you know, and the way they maybe try to change their bodies and do things to their bodies, you should say, savour it. You know, it will pass. You won't have it forever. Oh, I do. I'm, I'm glad I said that. I've forgotten I'd said that in the book, actually. Um, yes, uh, growing old is no picnic. 
and I want people to relish life and relish their bodies when they're young, do the best they can to keep healthy, drink lots of water, you know, all the things that I didn't do and should have done. So you, I'm, I'm kind of passing on knowledge of my mistakes to another generation. And one of the nice things is, but because there's all these TikTok programs, um, I, I'm known to the younger generation. I mean, I don't know how old you are, darling, but um, it's nice to be to be aware of younger people. And as I have no children and no brothers and sisters, I don't often contact young people, except on the on the internet. So I'm grateful for that, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you were somewhat dismayed by the some of the the kit that uh, young women now uh, sport late at night. Why so? Well, I think it's shocking. I call them pussy helmets. They're, 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 you know, short skirts, um, shorter than they should be. And they go out in the winter and they get drunk and fall all over the pavement. I, it, it's distressing. I don't like that. I'm very anti-alcohol. I have to be honest. I like a gin and tonic, but just one. And when I see girls under the influence... It, it's distressing. I, I I want women to to be the best of themselves always. Would you not say the same of the lads, though, that they should attempt to be the best of themselves too, and not uh, indulge in yobbery late at night? I would say that, but I feel that I I should keep my mouth shut, <laughs> almost literally, where men are concerned. Mm. Um, it's also remarkable in your book I mean you've spoken before uh, on television and in your last book about your encounters with men uh, your sexual encounters with men and it appears that you didn't realise that you were lesbian and you like to use that as an adjective rather than a noun uh, until you were in your your 20s yes that's true that's true you know the world is complicated nowadays we've got this, what is it, LGBT plus? You know, there's a lot of There's a Q in there available. as well. There is a Q, and I left it out. I wish I hadn't. Um, <laughs> quite right. No, there's, we're not binary anymore. Uh, there's not, you know, it used to be just two boxes and you tick one of them. Well, now there's, there's a lot more available, and life is more complicated. And it's good that we recognise that. Um, so I... I I don't know what to say about my sexuality. I I have a partner and I am loved and I am grateful for that. But and let's all just sort of settle down about sex. There are um, lots of kind of lists in in your book and, uh, you know, the questions you ask yourself and, uh, you know, among them is uh, which of the seven deadly sins might you have committed and uh, people can can go there if they they wish. But there's a question, when and where were you happiest? And the answer being, in 2012, touring with Dickens' women, uh, the the, uh, bicentenary of the birth of Charles Dickens. And you are a fan. Oh, yes, I love him. I love reading his books. I always have. He takes you into a world. He's he's compassionate. He's human. He's funny and uh, tender. I think he's a great, great writer. And he's... In, infused my life with so much 
I, I urge everybody who's listening to this, get a book of Dickens and read him. Read Great Expectations, Oliver Twist, David Copperfield. They're, they're magnificent and they'll enrich your life. People don't read enough. Wouldn't you agree these days? We're all looking at screens all the time. Yeah, I, I am taking this quotation from Dickens, uh, from Little Dorrit, um, which just shows the economy of words and how a paragraph can say it all. Flora, always told, had grown to be very broad too and short of breath, but that was not much. Flora, Flora whom he had left a lily, had become a peony, but that was not much. Flora, who had seemed enchanting in all she said and thought, was diffuse and silly. That was much. Flora, who had been spoiled and artless long ago, was determined to be spoiled and artless now. That was a fatal blow. He says it all. Magic, yeah. Absolute magic. And I played that character, and so I know. And, and it was so interesting because that was based on his first love. That character was exactly based on his first love. And he wrote about... He wrote about being jilted. It was a kind of revenge, but there was compassion there too. It's a difficult book, Little Dorrit, but it is worth sticking with it. It's wonderful. Now, you mentioned alcohol and uh, how you, you know, one gin and tonic and uh, that's it. Uh, But it is, if you like, um, not quite the curse, but it's certainly a a familiar thing in the acting profession. Uh, It is Dutch courage. Unfortunately, yes, that is true. And many great actors fell prey to drinking too much because they were afraid. You know, acting's scary. Going in front of an audience is a scary business. And it does give you, I suppose, courage. But Mummy used to say, the drink sinks and the sorrow swims. And I think uh, she was very frightened of it. She always said to me, um, cross the road. When you see a drunk or an Alsatian, an Alsatian dog, she she regarded them both with with real aversion. And Sir Lawrence Olivia, you you uh, talk of stories of him having to be pushed on stage. In fact, he would ask to be pushed on stage. That's Such true. was his That's terror. True. Yeah. Yes, it's 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 scary. I mean, we we do it because we love it, and once we get on stage then I feel I know what I'm doing and I feel secure. But the moments before are of a a throat-squashing blind terror. Um, Stars, Uh, I mean, you're a fan and you you talk about uh, talk show hosts that they shouldn't be doing the job unless they themselves are fans of the stars they meet. Yes, I'm not sure that I that I now agree with that, because you you don't have to be a fan of the people you talk to, but at least you should do a research and find out a bit about them. And if they're in a film or a, or a play, you should go see it and uh, read the book or whatever. I think to, to talk to people and know nothing about them is slightly disrespectful. Um, the, the things you've done in your life, I mean, you've written about posing for Augustus John, who was well known uh, for his eye for the women, for example. You tell us that your mother used to do the house cleaning in the nude. Um, It's probably not surprising you've turned out as you have. Well, do you think? Well, maybe. I I adored my mother. She was um, 
as someone who left school at 14, she always felt that she was uneducated and felt particularly, of course, in Israel, in um, in uh, Oxford, which is a, a place of intellectual snobbery. And um, I wanted, you know, I, I wanted to be as much like her as possible because she was she was wonderful. She was kind and warm and clever. And when she came into a into a room, it felt the lights had gone up. You know, she had magic, magic character. So if I've inherited any of that, then I'm really lucky. Um, you talk a little bit, uh, you know, right throughout the book of your antipathy towards uh, the, the Tory party. But <laughs> I'm sure this is in jest, but you kind of blame Boris Johnson and Liz Truss for the Queen passing on. <laughs> well, I can't literally accuse them of, of regicide. Um, no, uh, that was tongue-in-cheek, I suppose. But um, they are both, uh, in my opinion, uh, corrupt and incompetent. I blame Johnson for much of the horrors of England today. Liz Truss was just um, irrelevant in the end. But um, I was very sad when the Queen died. Uh, I, You know, she'd always been there and um i remember the coronation and uh, i'm i'm sad but she achieved great age and she died truly respected i think even by your nation who has suffered so much at the hands of the english um i you know i i tell that that joke about uh, about the jew in in belfast and um they say to him uh, and they hold him and and, this, and he said don't 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 shoot i'm a, I'm, I'm a jew but are you a catholic jew or a protestant jew <laughs> <laughs> and i believe you you toured uh, ireland with lynn ruan doing a, a documentary oh, about uh, yes. lady gregory that was utter heaven i think she's a gorgeous lady very clever very compassionate works hard for the people of Talith, where she comes from. And oh, she's just a major person. I, I'm longing to see her again. And I'm coming to Ireland. I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a gig o- on my book tour in Dublin and in Belfast on the 30th and 31st of October. So I'm just aching to get there. I love your country. I just love it. They they call me Mimzo. <laughs> Mimzo. <laughs> Mimzo. Uh, some of the, the, the listeners' questions, can you ask Miriam about her cameo in Dead Again, the Kenneth Branagh movie from the 1980s? Blimey, that's a long time ago. Yes, well, it I, it did happen. I, I knew Ken and Emma. I still know Ken. I don't, I don't know Emma very well, but I, I mean, we're always friendly when we meet. And it was a wonderful experience, but I don't remember what I played. Mm. I played a sort of mad... A, a medium, I think, who, who was kind of away with the fairies. But it was great fun. Mm. Um, Miriam's Dickens Women is extraordinary, says another listener, uh, Mal. The best play I've ever had in my collection, that and O'Toole's Geoffrey Bernard is unwell. A lovely way to start the day listening to this wonderful woman, uh, says Mal. Uh, someone else wants to know, please tell me there is an audio book of this memoir narrated by Miriam herself. Is Is there? There is, and it's already a bestseller. So I'm, I'm thrilled. Yes. Well, I know how to talk. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you you may disagree, of course, but but uh, 
I love doing audio books and I've done my own. Yes, it's it's all ready to, to roll. Mm. I did it months ago, actually. Well, you modestly, and modesty is a quality that you don't particularly uh, admire, but you modestly describe yourself not as a national treasure, but as a national trinket. <laughs> but uh, I would think you are in, an international, a global treasure indeed, Miriam. And I want to thank you very much for uh, joining us on the programme. It's been a great pleasure. Well, it was for me. Thank you so much. And see you soon, Ireland. Okay, Miriam, thank you very much. The book is called Oh, Miriam. You will see it everywhere and it's also available as an audio book. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.